Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Hello and welcome to the 295th episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Quickly, uh quickly working our way to 300 already doesn't feel like it's been a year and a half since or two years really effectively since we hit 200 but here we are i mean i'm hoping that uh what what are the chances you think we get a sponsor by then (laughs) (laughs) no man we we we, unlike unlike uh uh inside the nba unlike uh ej's neato stat of the week we actually are sponsored by no one yeah right unsullied Unsullied by sponsorship for, for since since day one. All right. Um. So I wanted to share some good and exciting news with you. Uh, we, after two months of waiting, have received our Peloton bike. Oh snap! Delivered on Friday. Uh, it was an incredibly seamless delivery experience. They. They actually drive around in like this. You know what a Sprinter van is? Yeah. Um, I actually drove a Sprinter van for uh, the what's it called? What race did I do? The the Ragnar. Oh run. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Driving that on no sleep, having run like twenty odd miles, is not fun. Uh, also, sleeping in the driver's seat, not fun. Uh, yeah, obviously, yep. the car was parked. Uh, but I probably slept from like 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. before I went on another run. Miserable. Super fun. Um, but they, they actually drive in a matte black Sprinter van with like the red Peloton along the side, which is kind of nice. Um, so like their their delivery vans usually stand out, anyways. So they they come in, it's two guys. They're like wheeling the uh, the bike in, and they're like, "All right, well, um, where do you like this? We had it originally. We had it in like the middle of the apartment." Um, it was like a sort of a center wall that we had it flush up against, and you know, they set it up. They were everyone was wearing masks. The uh, guys were great. Um, I tipped them each like twenty bucks because uh, it was like a super fast. It was like less than thirty minutes once they got here. But eventually, you know, we didn't really like it in the middle of the apartment. Uh, felt it's like deceptively big and small at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah, I understand it, that. Yeah, like the pro tip. With the Peloton so far that we heard even before we ordered it was get the mat that like you can put it on. Reason being, it just increases the grip of the bike by many folds. So when you're riding, you're on not it, riding away. <laughs> <laughs> you're not riding through your apartment. Yeah, right. But uh, we spent actually yesterday rearranging the apartment. So we did a little subtle like moving some stuff around. We pulled the sofa in a little bit, and we basically placed it next to the corner window area that's normally where oliver has been behind like the couch but we basically try to like carve out a little bit of a workout area like right next to his crate area so everyone's still got a lot of space but it's nice because you're sort of sitting up on a raised platform with the peloton but because you have all the like these floor to ceiling windows in the corner it's nice to feel like you have a personal gym area you know where where you're riding on the bike you're, you're still paying attention to everything on screen but uh, you sort of get to stare out into the city, which is fun. Um, Carolyn, we, when we ordered the, the Peloton bike, we actually got Carolyn a pair of shoes, like cycling shoes, uh, with the cleats and all that stuff. And they sort of, when they 
brought the peloton bike and they also brought the shoes they put they brought the mat and they actually helped install the cleat into the bottom of the shoe now you your bike right now what kind of do you do you clip in yeah i do what kind of uh clips do you have i got the mountain ones okay so you have the road bike ones right yeah essentially yeah the three prong spd clip uh now what i found out was there are, there's such thing as an at-home Peloton and a commercial Peloton. So the Peloton bikes in my building's gym, which funny enough, when we ordered the Peloton, we wanted to work from home, uh, I mean, work out from home during the summer. But, you know, it got delivered on August 28th, of course. Uh, we, the re- one of the reasons was we, want, we didn't want to be using the Pelotons in the gym downstairs. You know, people aren't wiping. You don't really want to be used to something like something must have like breathed on, sweated on, yada yada yada. Right, right. But the pelotons in the gym downstairs, uh, they're commercial. So my SPD clips and like a multitude of clips can actually clip into the uh, the pedals. It's just like this side is for SPD, the other side is for uh, what are they called? Some other kind of clip. Um, but when I got this one, because it's an at home, it only uses a very specific cleat system. So I actually have to order a cleat to like basically remove my SVD clips from my shoes and then install this new cleat uh, because it's a three, it's a three prong system or whatever, and then it'll clip in. So I, I, the only ride that I've done today was like, uh, they have a scenic ride, they have like 240 uh, hypothetical, like, you know, basically riding through different sceneries. And because it's not a serious class, I just put my sneaker. I basically balanced on the bike yeah. while while riding, and it, it, it is what it is. But like, there's no push and pull, you know. So I'm still waiting for to the uh, the actual cleats to come in so I can install those. We also got weights. Uh, we got like little three pound weights that you can put into the back of the bike, so we'll be able to do arm workouts as well. Carolyn's a big fan. She's done two rides already. She's doing like one of their uh, like six week beginner. Uh, course or whatever okay um but it's, it's gonna be nice especially in the winter time when we're like get like a pretty intense ride from the comfort of your own home yeah absolutely um so how long are those rides so they range they have like cool down rides that are like five minutes ten minutes so even like warm up and cool downs okay but then your standard classes i think are it's like 15 25 30 45 and i think an hour okay yeah so gotcha and how do you know how like how, about how intense are those like are you so when you're riding for like an hour do you know like a, a mileage equivalent or they they do they do everything on like kind of like power output and stuff they do a lot of power and output stuff okay they, there, there is a mileage like measurement uh but i think if i'm not mistaken i did a 30 minute hip-hop ride about maybe like eight months ago and i think in 30 minutes i outputted like 350 kilojoules or something like that it was like something intense okay um but what that translates to distance i, I couldn't tell you I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that though once yeah, i like, just kind of curious because like you know on, the, on a on a bike like outside i have no idea what type of power output i'm putting out i just yeah. know like distance and uh like how long i'm really out there um but so yeah, I'll, look at, I'll look at my still. strava because i just like linked it uh, let's see. I had a ride today, uh, ten minute New Zealand scenic ride. Okay. Uh, I traveled two point seven six miles. Uh, total output was sixty four point six kilojoules. Okay. So, 
you know, uh, not too bad. Yeah. Uh, average power 109 watts, 9 minutes and 58 seconds. So. We'll see. I mean, I've always loved spin. You remember when I would make Yeah, I remember you guys class. were doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be fun to, to get back into it. I like the fact that Carolyn's into it as well. Uh, we were joking that, like, our placement of the bike feels like it's part of, like, the Peloton, like, commercial type of thing where somebody's working right. out with, like, next to, like, all these giant windows next to, like, yeah. That's how. That's that's literally why I said that. What I, what I said in the text message to you, yeah. I said something about like you guys are gonna be in the next commercial or whatever I because, so. yeah. Um, Oliver's tried to climb onto the seat already, so I'm gonna try. Maybe at some point I try and get a photo of him like pretending to ride the bike. <laughs> now, what's also interesting about Pelotons is the resale value on these things is pretty pretty generous. Um, the secondary market for Pelotons is like. Peloton bike can hold upwards of like 75% of its value. Hmm. So, in the event that we, if we were to sell, and I'm not looking to sell this thing, yeah, I feel yeah, like, well. you know, if you want to create, you know, you know how you like pick up like different gym equipment over time. Right. Um, this would be like a quality thing you have in the in the corner, you know. You have that, you have a treadmill, you got your weights, you got your bow flex or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. I know we talked about it too, just in general, the, the, the subscription cost of the Peloton is you know pretty high to like do those classes outside of that then it's really just like a standard exercise bike so if you want to if you were to find that you weren't really using it the way you thought you were or maybe use it for a while and then at some point it's like you know what i got my use i got my utility out of it yeah. it's time to get rid of it then it's nice to know that at the very least you can you would you wouldn't you a wouldn't have a problem getting rid of it and b would actually get a decent amount of money for it too and somebody would actually get you know some utility out of it Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, oh, another interesting thing, uh, changing gears. Carol and I today, we went and did our first outdoor dining. Oh, yeah? How was it? I know we talked about it last week. Yeah, so it, it was good. We went to the Smith. Uh, oh, really? They have, they have like a much larger outdoor dining area. They're basically on the corner of this intersection. Is this the same Smith that we went to after your... Um, yes. Okay, so yeah, I remember it then. I remember the outdoor uh, area, at least around there. Yeah. So you, you have, like, because it's on the intersection, they basically created, like, an L-shaped area for outdoor dining. Um, the restaurant is also open way later now. So the first seating is at 10. So when we showed up for a 10 o'clock reservation, there was already a line forming out. So I we're like, uh, what is, what's going on? And the line was mixed with people that had reservations and ones that didn't. And originally, I thought you only could i mean when they first started reopening uh outdoor dining that you have to have a reservation otherwise uh they're not seating walk-ins really just to limit like how many people can be dining outside uh but now it looks like they're starting to like ease it up a little bit more uh so they sat us on like a quiet sort of side street i think it was like 63rd between central park west and uh broadway so it's like not as busy as like being directly on Broadway, and we also sat at a two seater that was like closer to the edge of the uh, the sidewalk. And the idea is, you sit down, they give you a drink menu, which is a paper menu, and they say there's a QR code. Scan that QR code with your phone to pull up the menu because they don't want to like hand out menus. Um, you look at the menu on your phone, you tell them what you want, and then uh, they bring your food out for you. And every time you interact with the server, they, they, they kindly request you keep your mask on. And so, you know, a lot of people, once they sat down, they would take their mask off, right? And just, like, right. talk to people. But we, you know, 
uh, sort of slowly working our way over. We we kept our mask on and then gave our orders. And then once the food was brought out, you know, we ate. And then once I was done eating, I just put my mask back on. I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm fine with a mask outside. You know, this isn't me trying to create some, uh, some like scene or make a statement or whatever. Because a lot of people who are done eating, they just have their mask off. It's like more power to you. You know, I just right. don't know who you guys are. Yeah. And and so as for now, you know, we're we're gonna be looking to do it again next weekend. Okay. Another yeah, brunch really before before we start to do like dinners and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, we, we felt pretty good. Like the restaurants there at, at the Smith were spread out way more than six feet. So it felt a little bit better there. And yes, definitely. For the, yeah, for some of the tables that are less than six feet, they have like these plastic partitions. Uh, so it feels like there's a bit of a like a physical barrier between you and the other tables. Now, the bear, like the partitions are clear, right? So it's like a it's like a clear plastic sort of uh, barrier. Uh, so it's not as claustrophobic, but you know, we're sort of still working our way up. Uh, some yeah. of the other, some of the other restaurants in the city, you know, they're, they're trying to grab as much revenue as possible, and for a good reason. You know, uh, all these restaurants are really struggling out here, but the, some of these tables are really packed in, and so we're not ready to do that quite yet. Uh, we, we we sort of understand that. You know, New York City is on the it's on the decrease with cases. One of the better states now that the the heyday, right? The uh, the real crises aspect of it is is the window that has sort of passed but no sense in being a little too aggressive early just just really working like you know we're still not ready to dine indoors we're not ready to like hang out with like a large group of friends indoors and so just slowly working our way slowly working our way forward yeah no that sounds really good um like i mentioned to you that lane and i we've done brunch a few times ourselves that's been the only meal we haven't if yeah. i can recall i don't think it's we've nice. done any meal anywhere else it's, it's nice to like drink a cup of coffee that you didn't have to make eat a yeah. plate of food that you didn't have to make yeah and absolutely. just like all uh, carol and i were talking it was like it just felt really normal just really refreshing right yeah. like once because because it's something that you never had to think twice about before right right and all of a sudden it's you know the 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 prospect you're you're sitting here weighing all sorts of um you're weighing all your the risks mm-hmm. when it comes to going out and eating and the crazy thing is it's an unseen risk you can't see it right like right, it's right. different it's like oh, okay if i'm going to get behind the wheel of a race car i know what my risks are right like, exactly. and, and if and if something were to go wrong i would have the immediate recognition of that I, I can see what's what went wrong physically i can feel it immediately but if you go out to eat dinner or lunch or brunch or whatever and you've put yourself in harm's way of this virus you have no idea if you if this was the moment where you got it and let's mm-hmm. say you happen to if you, let's just say you happen to come down with it like a week later and like you're not really going to have confirmation if that was the location where you got it or if it was when you went to the grocery store or any of the other like however many different places we go these days so yeah yeah i mean we're we're slowly working our way up um Mm -hmm. we're actually going to a wedding in the middle of september now the only reason why we agreed to do it was because it's a fully outdoor wedding mask on the entire time uh there's no dancing uh there's a meal service there's eating 
but the tables that normally seat 12 people are only seating six. So they're like splitting it out like a triangle shape when you think of like, you know, a circle table with like, you know, trying to keep as many people separate from each other as possible. Yeah. And the way that they're doing the food is different tables will be asked to go sort of singularly up to a row of servers who are basically operating like a buffet style thing and they will put the they will give you the food so we were concerned of like well is everyone touching tongs yeah are we giving uh are we giving uh our orders to people yada 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 and it's a it's a brunch it's like a brunch wedding right so the idea will be that we show up the ceremony's outside short ceremony and then short brunch and then everyone like dips and so fully outside we'll see how it works you know if you asked me a long time ago if i would be nervous i absolutely would be nervous right. so part of me is but also trying to you know do a, a decent job of understanding like where we are in the process not to say that i feel like we can just be super aggressive with things but also just like feeling like you have the right uh risk like percentage and module and understanding of the situation right like i don't want to go through the rest of my life thinking that new york is still the way it was late march early april when new york was leading the uh, the nation and the world in covid deaths you know it's, that isn't the reality Certainly. anymore Certainly. then it's you have to like you have to uh, sort of shift with the times as you learn more um but uh yeah we'll see you know, we'll, we'll sort of see how things are uh, are shaking and baking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I um, I today when I was I I went out uh, this morning and grabbed some breakfast, and um, on the way back I saw that there were a few church. Like I don't think I've really driven out on a Sunday morning like that in a while, mm-hmm. and so I noticed that there were a few churches um, on the drive back. And there were a decent amount of cars that were parked in the parking lots. Really, I I honestly didn't I didn't really realize that churches were open and people were able to attend service in in, in like person nowadays, or at least like in Delaware. Um, and yeah, like I I see like the amount of cars that are there. I'm like, oh, like it's not as as packed as it used to be, but it's not like a it's not like just like you know three cars, five cars. There are a fair number of people that are there. It's, I can't imagine how well they're able to socially distance themselves. And I'd seen a couple of people outside the last church, the one that's closest to my house. And mm-hmm. there were a decent amount of people that were kind of just like, you know, going to their cars or at their cars yeah. with no masks on. I mean, I have no idea if they were wearing masks inside, but I'm just sitting there thinking like, you know, this is the one of the biggest risk. I think the biggest risk factor is like the whole thing is if it, if it doesn't exist in your community, then you effectively can do whatever it is that you would normally do. Like you don't, you wouldn't have to, um socially distance yourself from anybody else you can do whatever yeah. you used to do but the issue is that you have no idea if it is in your community or not and so by taking on these safe practices like socially distancing yourself wearing masks washing your hands those are the things that help when it does infiltrate your community because we are we are all able you know freely able to move within this country mm-hmm. you know somebody from a high risk place like Florida is free to come to Delaware or back when New York had the most cases, they were right. free to come to other states. And every time you would go somewhere, they they would ask you to quarantine for two weeks. Now, how many people actually did that? I have no idea. But the, the really the, the point is really 
if someone were to come into your community and bring it in, if we are not taking on these precautions, then it could very easily spread to a lot of people before it's even recognized. And so I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah, if you know people are out here at these churches, they're not wearing masks and stuff, all of a sudden spread it to, let's say, five people. Then those five people want to go to a restaurant. They want to go to a, um, a grocery store. You know, How many places are they going to actually go within the next X days before they actually notice any symptoms, before they realize that they have it, and how many people they could have spread it to? That's the real risk. That's the scary thing about it. And so, um, yeah, I was just, you know, I'm realizing, I have realized a long time ago just how lax we've really gotten with everything. I know we've talked about Mm -hmm. this before, but just how early on the, I I like gone to the park to ride my bike like the first time for the first time. It was like back in March and I see all these people that are like out there playing basketball and this and that. I'm like, wow, I can't believe people are doing that. And then all of a sudden that's when like the the governor they started shutting certain things down like that they started removing like uh, rims and, and nets from the basketball hoops to prevent people from going out there to play to play basketball they started roping off like the playground so kids couldn't go because it was like the first nice day of the year um and so it's just and and they all of a sudden people started taking it seriously so it felt like you would go out on the road during the middle of the day and there would be no one around and i feel like we're a long way away from those days so um, yeah. yeah, there's a church uh, a block away from ours that has started uh, doing services like two days a week, one weekday, I think it's like Tuesday, Tuesday yeah. at like 8 a.m. and then a Sunday or Saturday at 10 a.m. It's just like one service a day, two days a week. Uh, okay. Now, they're also limiting the amount of people that can go in, but you know, people are still going into church. Uh, I don't know what the percentage or like ability to keep people at like a certain number from going in or whatever. But, you know, hey, it's, uh, we're moving forward, you know. The idea is that at some point we're all going to be able to go back and do what we want to do. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, you won't catch me in a church right now. <laughs> so, um, I was, I forgot to mention too, you mentioned that you're going to be going to a wedding. Um, I will be too in October. The Uh only reason I'm going is because I'm a part of the wedding. I don't know any of like the precautions that they're, that they're taking, to be honest. Uh Um, but I do know that they're, the number that are positively RSVP'd is, 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 um, not, not anywhere near as many as they've invited. I don't know if it's because people haven't replied yet or if people just aren't willing to come. But, um, that's kind of been my fear. I mean, like the, when I think about to my wedding and now, while the scenarios were, you know, certainly different because, you know, the hurricane was like, okay, this is one big event. There's no shot that this is happening. Theoretically, you could schedule for some future time. Um, but I think for, for people now, it's like, okay, well, especially if it's a local wedding, they want to, to plan for the wedding to be as soon as possible that people would actually be able to attend it safely and people would want to attend. And like, you know, so do you schedule it at, the, you know, again, going back, they were, they were supposed to get married in May. This is their, this is their postponed date in October. So how far back should they have pushed it so that it would have been completely safe to attend, you know, theoretically going back five months at that time, maybe it wasn't like, you know, the worst idea. It's like, okay, yeah, five months, we should have a better handle of things at this point. But, um, and cause, 
they didn't cancel like the week of they canceled it back in like march so it's really like pushing it back like seven months um but yeah i will be a part of the wedding and it's um like i said i don't i don't think if it wasn't for the fact that i was a part of the wedding i'm not sure i would be attending just because i've been pretty pretty strict about the things that we're doing overall like and i i know that i'm not anywhere near as strict as you but that's just like one thing i really wouldn't really compromise on like go to go to a party basically yeah go to a, a large gathering of a bunch of people not really not really something i would have been i wouldn't have been the first person in line to do that <laughs> um you know throughout this entire thing well here's the thing um you know not really interested in virtue signaling uh and so everyone's sort of fortunately and unfortunately free to do whatever they whatever they want right as long as you're trying to be as safe as you feel like you can be we right. sort of take the inherent risk on ourselves i think the issue is just if if you do one thing something happens and you're like oh nobody told me this was going to happen it's like no come on you know yeah 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 you, you right. we, 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 we've been doing this for a minute now it's like whenever i still see people screaming at uh like walmart employees forcing them to wear a mask it's like this wasn't an overnight thing, man. You know, like we've been yeah. we've been asked to do this for a minute now. So right. if you can't get if you can't get your act together, then I'm gonna kindly have to ask you to to force quit this sort of activity <laughs> that you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, you do your best, and you you know, there's this. I can send you actually, if you're interested, Carolyn for the wedding uh, found this like at home COVID test that you can take. Hmm. Uh, so if you're interested, and in, I can send you the information. Uh, we plan sure. on doing it uh, just to, to make sure that we, we, we understand where we are. Uh, but now whether or not, I can't guarantee the efficacy of the test. You know, it's, I can't shield for them. But it yeah. is an opportunity to say, hey, instead of like going to a, a designated area to get it, if you want to do it from home and then send it back, maybe there's an option there. Uh, yeah. What else can I tell you? Um, I, can tell you I can tell you one thing real quick. Yeah. Um, so I've been watching a decent amount of Formula One these days. Yes, you have. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've caught every single race since I want to say I can't I can't give exact week count oh exact an exact week count, but I've watched the last like five races at least. Um maybe goes back even to the first race of the season, at least catching little bits of it here and there. But since then, like I've I've been trying to watch all the qualifying events. I don't really watch the practice sessions. I'm not interested in the practice sessions, but the qualifiers are pretty fun, short short like um stints, short like I don't know, bursts of speed that you can watch on Saturdays. And then the actual races themselves go on for about an hour and a half to two hours on Sunday. The really cool thing about them, about the races, is similar to like European League soccer's and, and such. There are no commercials, so all the action is is just happening nonstop. Uh, you know, unlike basketball or football or anything else, any of the other American American sports where there's constantly like stoppage of action. And so, um, although not that's not to say that there's something always exciting happening at all times, like Hamilton, like today's race, for example, there were. Um, where were they? I think they were in Belgium. I think it was the mm-hmm. Belgian Grand, Grand Prix I today. So. And uh, all the races are, most of the races are in like the afternoon local time. So the race started at 9 a.m. here. And the entire race, the top three never changed. It was Hamilton, Botas, and Verstappen 
one, two, three the whole time. Now, the more exciting stuff happens kind of behind those top three. That's not to say that exciting things don't happen in the top three ever, but for the most part, it's usually Hamilton, Botas, Verstappen. Um, sometimes there's some variance among those three, but they're usually the top three throughout this entire season. Then outside of that, you have people like Ricardo, Carlos Sainz, Charles, uh, Charles Leclerc, Leclerc, Leclerc. Um, and uh, Ferrari's been really interesting this season because Ferrari used to be one of the dominant teams. They, so like in, in F1, there's because of the way the rules work, it's not like everyone drives the same car. And so this is one thing I never really understood coming into F1. And it was thanks to the Drive to, Drive to Survive series where they were referring to like the best of the rest. The best of the rest is basically the middle pack, the people who the teams who can't compete with the top like two to three teams. So the top few teams for the last several years have been Mercedes, Ferrari, and then Red Bull. And um, Mercedes and Ferrari, while Ferrari has been good and they can split wins with Mercedes, Mercedes has won the last, I think, like seven drivers or the last like seven championships hamilton's won um all but like one of those during one of those years um his teammate won nico rosberg and so watching these races and it's like okay well you pretty much know who's going to win like which team is going to win and therefore who the winner of the race is going to be from week to week however outside of that especially with what's happening with ferrari right now they apparently have some like weird issues with their car they are not the second best team anymore they're in fact one of the worst teams in formula one right now it's pretty interesting and entertaining to watch the drama of it and people just commenting on how on how such just a train wreck it is how everyone's expecting the uh the the team principal to be fired at the end of the season um they're constantly like messing up the strategy of the racers the racers themselves the drivers are very unhappy with the team so it's there's a lot there's a lot going on. Drama, dude. It's, uh, there's there's so much to learn. There's <laughs> so much to learn from like the tires. The first like the first race that was super exciting was um uh, uh Silverstone, which was like the third or fourth event of this season. It would normally be like the halfway point of the season, um, maybe not even quite the halfway point, but because of of covid they've uh, they've condensed their season so now instead of racing every two weeks they race um i think it's like three weeks i think they race three three races um week after week so they'll do like three races in three weeks and then i think they get a two-week break before the next race something like that it might be three or four races and so um it's made it a lot easier to follow just like because there's it's like oh every week it's like every saturday there's a new race and this is the start of of a of a of a of a back to back to back week right now so this was the first of i think three now um but yeah just kind of like constantly trying to learn about the sport because of the complexity of like the 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 cars how um how the teams evolve from season to season how they evolve from race to race in fact and uh, supposedly the issue with Ferrari is that they had there was a, a whistleblower within the team who apparently reported them for supposed rule breaking. The FIA, uh -oh. the, the uh -oh. organization in charge of Formula One that like sets up all the rules and forces these rules. They did their own engine inspection, I believe, before the season or at some point, and they didn't find anything wrong. And it wasn't until this whistleblower came forward and reported whatever they found or whatever they believed was cheating 
that 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 some type of um, penalty was enforced, Ferrari ended up having to change their car. So I think they're using their like 2018 model of the car and some other issues, whatever's going on. But due to this, seemingly due, due to this particular uh, whistleblower, their car is way worse than it would have been. And so for a team, they, they've gone from a team that should be competing for a championship to a team that's struggling to even get points at the end of each race. So like Sebastian Vettel, um, you know, Bill Burry used to talk about Sebastian Vettel a lot. He he used to race for Red Bull and has a few championships himself. He's racing for Ferrari, and this is his last year with Ferrari. Um, and he's being replaced, if you remember from the Netflix series, um, I think it's, yeah, it's uh, Carlos Sainz. So Carlos Sainz currently drives for McLaren, and uh, Carlos Sainz is like watching from the sidelines like, oh, shoot. Like, because uh, so really quick, Carlos Sainz's car wouldn't start today, which is the same exact thing that happened to him at the same exact race last year. The car wouldn't start. And so he couldn't he couldn't race. So from time to time, they would like show his reactions to stuff on screen. And um, <laughs> they're like showing the Ferraris and then they show him and he has like his head down like, oh, no, like shaking his head uh-huh. because this is the team that he signed that he signed to race for next year. And it seems like they're are not going to be good. Yeah. Um, he so, goofed. Yeah. He goofed. Uh, seems like Ricardo made a pretty decent call leaving uh, Renault because I mean Renault's he, just been a loser. Well, they actually were pretty good today. They apparently they have a very fast car in the straights, but so many of these races are like you know just twisting turns and whatnot. Right. Today's race streets, was but... very straight, and so he got fourth place today. Um, he he qualified fourth. Most most of the season he's been like kind of I don't know a little above average so there are 20 racers in each race and he's he's typically around like let's say like seventh through 10th somewhere in that range but today today uh or yesterday he qualified fourth today he he was fourth um he felt he could have had an opportunity to get third there was an there was a crash um like like i don't know like 11 laps into the race today and so um and there were 44 laps today so there was a crash about a quarter of of the way through the race while all but like two or three drivers pitted and two of those drivers were in front of him and so when they were able to resume the race he felt like he could have had the opportunity to push at uh at uh the the race leaders you know verstappen uh botas and hamilton in reverse order but he got pushed back because the uh so pierre gasly was in front of him and i can't remember who else was in front of him before they pitted so pierre gasly was you know doing it was racing his race because he did not pit but he was in front of Ricardo, but Ricardo couldn't get past him, which allowed a large buffer to uh, to develop between Ricardo and Verstappen. By the time Ricardo was able to get past Gasly, when Gasly uh, pitted, he was at least ten seconds behind Verstappen. At the, like the the largest drop, it was like seventeen seconds behind Verstappen. He ended up wow. pushing the so the the race leaders had a lot of uh, tire management issues. Their tires were, there was a lot of like vibrations they were reporting. They were afraid that the, the tires were basically, basically going to fail at the end of the race. And uh, they did succeed in getting to the end. Ricardo had a lot of, uh, of tire left. And so he was able to push on the last few laps and was able to close the gap down to about three seconds. Although certainly I'm sure Verstappen would have, you know, picked up the speed a little bit if, if he was at risk of getting past. But um, yeah, it was definitely an entertaining race from outside of the top three uh-huh. um so the people are, are excited i think for the next week because the next one people think that um 
Renault can have a shot at a podium. And if so, so uh, Daniel Ricardo made a bet with um, with the team principal of of Renault, and I guess the team principal of Renault doesn't have faith in the cars getting to a podium because he bet Ricardo that the a Renault car could not get a podium. And if he wins the bet, Ricardo has to get a tattoo, I believe, of of uh, of the team principal's choice. Oh However, Ricardo, the team principal, as far as I know, doesn't have a tattoo. If uh, Ricardo is able to get a podium, or Esteban Ocon, the other um, Renault driver, can get on a podium this season, then the team principal has to get a tattoo of, of Ricardo's choosing somewhere on his body. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. We'll see how that ends up for everyone involved. Yeah, it's definitely been exciting. Um, it's been interesting. At the very least, it's been cool to just kind of like try to pick up bits of the uh, of the sport. Like, there's so many there's so many details that are beyond just simply the drivers driving the cars. You know, there's the there's the engineering that goes behind the scenes. There's the pit crew. The pit crew for Red Bull are like amazing. <laughs> the average time for their pit stops are like two seconds. The other teams, a lot of the other teams are pitting in like three seconds. So it's weird and like a game you know, where fractions of a second could be the difference between first and second or, or even like multiple positions, that time could be really, you know, could be a real, a really big deal. So there's a lot of factors that go into this beyond just the drivers themselves, which make it pretty interesting to watch. Of course, again, I recognize it's not so fun. Like if, if, if like the, uh, if LeBron James's teams were constantly winning in the NBA Finals year after year, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be particularly exciting to watch. You know, just seeing the same people win over and over and over again. But people have found ways to make it exciting beyond just that first that first place win. There's a lot of others. There's a lot of uh, else at stake, considering the but the various budgets of the teams and whatnot, and seeing what certain teams are able to accomplish with a lot less money. It's uh. That's the one thing about uh, Formula One that's like similar to either baseball or soccer. It's like if there's yeah. no salary cap. Yes. You know, like I don't know, because yeah, you know, no, I'm with you. Mercedes right now is dominant, but what's to say, like I don't know, you know, the uh, the, the head of Saudi Arabia or some other <laughs> billionaire, like if Jeff Bezos came in, it's like you know what. I kind of want to just like I'm gonna take just over. bankroll my own Formula One team just with my own personal money. It's like you know, I, I build I build spaceships too. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of figured out the logistics thing. I'm not even gonna have a pit crew. It's just gonna be bots. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're gonna be able to do that shit. No, no problem. I was just like, oh man. You know, I feel like you could just super upend it, and so yeah, uh, no, I, I'm with you. There's. I know that there's a variety of rules. Like the teams have to come to agreements on stuff. So there's they have a, I think it's called the Concord Agreement, and the teams just came to a, to terms um, on on establishing the rules for the next kind of like generation of Formula One. So there's going to be a lot of changes to like the cars. There's actually I think there is a salary cap that's being instituted. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't really know any of those specific details, but they've agreed upon a set of rules that are supposed to bring the uh, bring the teams closer to one another to make it a lot more competitive, mm-hmm. a lot more competitive for all the different teams. Because I'm with you, like thinking about like Moneyball, you know, Billy Bean um, being the uh, the general master, uh, general manager. Was it the A's? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, 
seeing seeing what he was able to do with a team with a lot smaller of a budget than a team like the Yankees or the Celtic or the Celtics, the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, you know, the teams that that are oftentimes at the top of those leaderboards and winning championships. And when I came to, when I finally realized and understood like, oh, that's why those teams are so good, because they just pay whatever they want for these right. players. Right. Like other teams can't even compete because they don't have that money. Right. Or they don't have owners who are, you know, willing to spend that money. Right. And then realizing the same deal in um like Premier League. It's like, oh, so so like I still struggle to think about that. Like what is the fun really of rooting for a team that's like, you know, constantly fighting relegation? Maybe that in and of itself is the excitement to get to seventeenth. Well, my, it's, not, uh, it's not that. I think it's just there's a, there's a loyalty well, yeah, to there sports. Is. Yeah. My my brother in law is a huge um, Aston Villa fan, which is the local team. Yeah. And you know, you just you grow up going to the matches, right? And, and so they they're just your team. Like you think, yeah, you yeah. think I would I want to be a Chargers fan because they're like <laughs> suffering all the time. It, it, it the, the fandom of that doesn't make sense, right? But it's just it's like what you grew up with, and then it's the uh, the tradition of things. Yeah, yeah. So if you were if you were to pick a uh, so you don't you haven't really watched Formula One, but you have watched Drive to Survive. Would you say that you're a fan? of any particular person or team or like are you just like you know what? i like, you like i to see like somebody other than mercedes no nah, i like lewis hamilton i like seeing, yeah. watching somebody be super dominant uh daniel ricardo is, is is pretty cool um but he's i mean he, i i just the one guy i don't like is uh what's his face the guy who's always crashing um, oh, Gro- Grosjean. Grosjean. <laughs> Roman Grosjean. Grosjean. Dude's, a, dude's a clown, man. Like, That's so funny. Like, how, how many times can you honestly be crashing out here when nobody else is crashing? But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, that's, like, dumbing it down too much. But, uh, I'm not... I just like the idea of, like, oh, it seems like a, like a super rich person sort of sport. And so, I'm more, like, yeah. interested from that angle. You know, I'd love to go to a... Uh, I would love to go to a Formula 1 race. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I heard I heard it's not too expensive too. Like you get like the weekend pass and whatnot. Yeah, I remember uh, looking into it a while ago when we, you and I talked about it like a year or so ago. Um, yeah. Because there's the U.S. Grand Prix, which is in Austin. In like, yeah, exactly. That's not a, in San Texas. That's so. not a that's not a bad trip to take, anyways. You know. No, exactly, because that's like yeah, because like you and I could take Carolyn and uh, Elena. Um, yeah. And even like Gordon and just make it like a, a weekend right. or like not a weekend, but like just make it a little vacation. Right. Obviously they're probably not going to be interested in going to the race. So like if they don't want to go to the race, they can do something else. They can <laughs> and, do something else. I mean, we can also just like go to the race or the like racing grounds for a little bit and see some stuff and just like bounce and like do other yeah. stuff, like grab dinner somewhere or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, All right. yeah, let's go ahead and get out of here. Yeah, it's, let's uh, do it. It's already 8, 11. Yeah. All right. I'm Reza. I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you guys next week.